0: God is glorious in his saints. Welcome to the Christian Saints Podcast. My name is Professor Darren Ong, recording from Serpong in Malaysia. In this podcast, we explore the lives of the Christian Saints from the Anglican, Roman Catholic, and Eastern Orthodox traditions. Today, we commemorate Saint Rose Philippine Duquesne. Saint Rose Philippine Duquesne was a French Roman Catholic nun and missionary who grew up in the late 18th century during the French Revolution. In the chaos of the revolution, her convent was destroyed and she joined instead The Society of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, a new congregation that was focused in the work of education. She felt called to be a missionary, and left for America to preach the gospel there, in French Louisiana, specifically in the areas that are in modern-day Kansas and Missouri. She was especially effective in bringing the gospel to the Native Americans living in that region of America. Let us read the biography of St. Rose Philippine Duquesne on the website of the Vatican. Rose Philippine Duquesne was born on August 29, 1769, in Grenoble, France. She was baptized in the Church of Saint Louis and received the name of Philip, the Apostle, and the Rose of Lima, the first saint of the New Continent. She was educated at the Convent of the Visitation of Saint Marie d'Horke, Then, drawn to the contemplative life, she became a novice there when she was 18 years old. At the time of the revolution in France, the community was dispersed and Philippine returned to her family home, spending her time nursing prisoners and helping others who suffered. After the concordat, of 1801, she tried, with some companions, to reconstruct the Monastery of Saint Marie, but without success. In 1804, Philippine learned of a new congregation, the Society of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, and offered herself and the monastery to the Foundress, Mother Madeleine Sophie Barra. Mother Barra visited Saint Marie in 1804 and received Philippine and several companions as novices in the society. Even as Philippine's desire deepened for the contemplative life, so too her call to the missions became more urgent, a call she had heard since her youth. In a letter she wrote to Mother Bara, She confided a spiritual experience she had during a night of adoration before the Eucharist on Holy Thursday. I spent the entire night in the New World, carrying the Blessed Sacrament to all parts of the land. I had all my sacrifices to offer. a Mother Sisters, family, my mountain, when you say to me, now I send you, I will respond quickly. I go." She waited, however, another 12 years. In the year 1818, Philippine's dream was realised. She was sent to respond to the Bishop of the Louisiana Territory. Who was looking for a congregation of educators to help him evangelize the Indian and French children of his diocese. At St. Charles, near St. Louis, Missouri, he founded the first house of the society outside France. It was in a log cabin, and with it came all the austerities of frontier life. Extreme cold, hard work, Lack of funds. She also had difficulty learning English. Communication at best was slow. News often did not arrive from her beloved France. She struggled to remain closely united with the society in France. Philippine and four other religious of the Sacred Heart forged ahead. In 1818, she opened the first free school west of the Mississippi. By 1828, she had founded six houses. These schools were for the young women of Missouri and Louisiana. She loved and served them well, but always in her heart she yearned to serve the American Indians. When she was 72 and no longer superior, a school for the Potawatomi, was opened at Sugar Creek in Kansas. Though many thought Philippine was too sick to go, the Jesuit head of the mission insisted. She must come. She may not be able to do much shua, but she will assure success to the mission by praying for us. Her very presence will draw down all manner of heavenly favours on the work. She was with the Potawatomi but a year. However, her pioneer courage did not weaken, and her long hours of contemplation impelled the Indians to name her Kwaka Kanumad, the woman who prays always. But Philippine's health could not sustain the regime of village life. In July 1842, she returned to St. Charles although her heart never lost its desire for the missions. I feel the same longing for the Rocky Mountain Missions and any others like them that I experienced in France when I first begged to come to America." Philippine died at St. Charles, Missouri, on November the 18th, 1852, at the age of 83. Central to the story of St. Rose Philippine Duquesne is a struggle between desiring the contemplative life and a desire to be a missionary, to bring Jesus to the world. She was greatly influenced by the writings and the lives of the Jesuits, many of whom were missionaries to far-off places. Let us read some excerpts from her letters talking about her desire to be a missionary. These letters were written to St. Madeline Sophie Barat, the founder of the Society of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. My first enthusiasm for missionary life was roused by the tales of a good Jesuit father who had been on the missions in Louisiana and who told us stories about the Indians. I was just 8 or 10 years old, but already I considered it a great privilege to be a missionary. I envied their labors without being frightened by the dangers to which they were exposed, for I was at this time reading stories of the martyrs, in which I was keenly interested. The same good Jesuit was extraordinary confessor at the convent in which I became a pupil. I went to confession to him several times, and I loved his simple, informal manner of speaking, a manner he had used with the Indians. From that time, the words propagation of the faith, and foreign missions, and the names of priests destined for them, and of religious in faraway lands, made my heart thrill. When I entered religious life at the age of 18 and a half years, a desire to share in the apostolate made me choose the visitation, where children were educated, in preference to Carmel, a contemplative order which I loved very much. My community was animated by the spirit of the Jesuits, from whose constitutions they boasted their own had been drawn. The library was enriched with nearly all the works of Jesuit authors because at the time of the suppression of the order, three of its members found a refuge in our chaplain's house, and when they died, they left their library to the convent. During two whole years of my novitiate, I read only Rodriguez, the famous Jesuit writer, without ever tiring of it. And when we assembled after Vespers, I used to relate to my sisters the lives of nearly all the saints of the company of Jesus, that is, the Jesuits. That of Saint Francis Xavier appealed most strongly to me. I loved his touching appeals to the European schools to send him missionaries. How often have I not said to him since then? In my impatience, great saint, why do you not call me? I would respond at once. He is the saint of my heart. St. Rose Philippine Duquesne is also well known for her devotion to prayer especially in the later years of her life. Let us read an excerpt of a homily from Father Lawrence Liu, a Dominican priest, about St. Rose Philippine Duquesne's devotion to prayer. We will read a section from the end of his homily. At last, in 1841, age 72, She was allowed to join the new Sugar Creek Mission in Kansas. The superior of the group insisted that she come along, saying, She may not be able to do much work, but she will assure success to the mission by praying for us. Her very presence will draw down all manner of heavenly favours on the work. For indeed, Rose Philippine had become herself a house of prayer. And it was her prayerfulness that ensured the success of the mission of restoring souls in the Potawatomi tribe to friendship with Christ through grace. The tribe called her Kwakah the woman who prays always, and they loved her as they saw her deep in prayer all night, for although she could not speak their language, she communicated Through her love for them, a love flowing from closeness to Christ's sacred heart. Thanks to her prayers and the teaching of the other missionaries, at least half of the tribe became Catholic, and Saint Rose Philippine wrote in one of her letters of the transformation that Grace had in their lives. She said the Catholic Indians live in a village quite separate from the pagans. Among the Catholics, there is no drunkenness, no dancing, no gambling. Every Sunday, one sees at least a hundred at the holy table. At Christmas, four hundred receive the sacraments. Since last July, about 70 old people have been baptized, and they are all persevering. In the church, the men and women sit on opposite sides and sing hymns in their own language. They do this also at night, and they say the family rosary, each one carrying a pair of beads always. Because of her health, she only lived in the Potawatomi village for a year, but she remained deep in prayer, and one can still see in her surviving journal, which is splashed with tears, Thy will be done. And this is what prayer does. It converts and transforms our hearts so that they beat in tandem with the Sacred Heart of Jesus. For we don't pray so as to change God's mind, but in order that we may be changed and conform to God. May St. Rose Philippine pray for us, and for all who minister to the Native American peoples of this land. St. Rose Philippine Duquesne is celebrated on November 20th in the calendar of the Roman Catholic Church. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Christian Saints Podcast. Look for the Christian Saints Podcast page on Facebook or Instagram or find us on Twitter at podcast saints. All music in this episode was composed by my good friend, James John Marks, of generative sounds. Please check out his music at generativesoundsjjm.bandcamp.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider giving us a five star review on iTunes or whatever podcast app you use. So more people can find the Christian Saints podcast and be blessed by these stories of God's saints. Let us end with a poem by Beverly Boyd, titled To Philippine, Duquesne, Lynn County, Kansas, 1841 What were you doing here, old woman, old woman from France, out here among the Indians, the Osage and the Potawatomi with their strange languages and their ghost dance? This is a great spirits country and neither theirs nor yours, willed here by other forces, governments, agreements, treaties, wars, over the ocean and the Missouri, and in a wooden cart, crossing the Kansas tall grass with only God in your heart. What were you thinking of, old woman, with your woman's lines and pains, out here among the Indians, In the Kansas winds and rains. I know you well, old woman. I know what was in your heart, Riding back east for St. Louis, The way you came here in a cart. And back down the Missouri River, You that had come so far, Nothing to show for the hardship, The work of God your last star. Now by the Mississippi buried, old woman from sweet France. The Indians here still recall you, though some keep the old customs and their ghost dance. You are the woman who prays always in the legend of their past. There is a shrine no one visits where the winds and land are vast. <laughs> Oh <laughs>